Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. Screen Guild play tonight, Remember the Day. The starling players... This is Loretta Young. And this is Francho Tone. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in a radio adaptation of the 20th Century Fox screen success, Remember the Day, from the story by Philo Higley and Philip Dunning, and starring Loretta Young as Nora Trinnell and Francho Tone as Dan Hopkins. In the banquet room of Washington's Mayflower Hotel, political bigwigs are waiting for Dewey Roberts to speak, accepting his nomination as party candidate for the presidency of the United States. But while the politicians wait, Dewey Roberts sits in his hotel suite talking with an old friend, Nora Trinnell, who was his schoolteacher back home in Indiana. Remember the day you kept me after school and made me write, I beg your pardon, 500 times, Miss Trinnell? <laughs> Very well, Dewey. That was the day I met Dan Hopkins, and we had our first argument. I remember. You wanted to take the class to see a matinee of Midsummer Night's Dream, and Dan had us scheduled to play an important ball game. 27 years ago. Yet when I close my eyes, I can still see Dan coming through that classroom door. I beg your pardon. Are you Miss Trinnell? Yes. I'm Dan Hopkins, one of your colleagues. Oh, yes. How do you do? Well, Miss Trinnell, it uh, seems we got our signals a little mixed. Yes? Yeah. You see, I've scheduled a very important baseball game for tomorrow afternoon. Well, I'm afraid you'll have to postpone the game, Mr. Hopkins. Oh, that's impossible. Why don't you postpone your matinee? Oh, but I can't. It's the only matinee they're playing. Oh. 
Well, I'm afraid we're in the position of the irresistible force and the immovable object, aren't we? I don't know how immovable an object you may be, Mr. Hopkins, but in this matter, I'm afraid that I'll have to be irresistible. You are, in any your... matter. beg your pardon. It... Well, I, I, I think we really better let the principal decide this. Now, wait a minute. Look, we're two grown, intelligent people. Are we? Well, what I mean is uh, perhaps we ought to talk this over further without bringing Mr. Steele into it. Did I hear you mention my name, Mr. Hopkins? Well, uh, in a way, yeah. Oh. Did you wish to see me about something? Well, no. As a matter of fact, I didn't. Uh, I do, Mr. Steele. It wasn't anything of importance. Oh, I think it was. Yes, Mr. And Mr. Hopkins and I were having a little argument, Mr. Steele, and I thought perhaps you might be able to settle it. It wasn't anything, really. Go on, Mr. Nell. Well, we were just arguing about whether or not this... Uh, this taxing of one's income is constitutional. Oh. Well, you don't have to worry about that, Mr. Nell. The House of Representatives will never pass an income tax law. Oh. <laughs> You see, that's exactly what I told you. Thank you, uh, both of you. Oh, that's quite all right, Mr. Nell. I'm glad to see you and Mr. Hopkins taking such an interest in national issues. If you have any more questions, I'll be in my office. Do you have any more questions? Uh, no, no. Well, if you think of any, I'll be waiting outside. So instead of going to the matinee of Midsummer Night's Dream, we played the ball game. And I hurt my knee and was out of school for the rest of the term. I remember making a boat model and asking you to come to my house to see it. May I see the boat model you made, Dewey? Well, the boat's right over there on the mantel, Miss Trinnell. Why, Dewey? Uh, I hope you don't think I was fresh naming it the Miss Trinnell. Oh, it's just about the nicest thing that anyone ever did for me. Gosh, you're beautiful, Miss Trinnell. <laughs> Oh, you're practically overwhelming me with flattery, Dewey. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh, there's nothing to be sorry about. That was a very pretty compliment. I certainly had a schoolboy crush on you, Miss Trinnell. Incidentally, I still have that boat model, the Miss Trinnell. And I still have the one you made for me, the Mabel. That was the one that got Dan and me into such trouble. Oh, yes, I remember. Something happened during your summer vacation. Yes, at that time you were too young to understand what happened. Dan wanted me to spend my vacation at the same resort he was going to, but I was afraid someone might place the wrong construction on our spending the summer together. So I went with the other women teachers to what practically amounted to an old maid's home. After a couple of weeks, I was bored to death. And then one day, while I was hiking along a road, getting away from the incessant woman's chatter, Dan drove up. Hello, Nora. Dan! I just happened to be staying at a lake about 210 miles from here, so I thought I'd drop over. <laughs> I'm so glad to see you, Dan. I wondered if you'd like to go for a drive. Well, will the drive take me away from here? Uh, to the place where you're spending your vacation? Well, that's what I had in mind. Well, that's exactly where I'd like to go. Well, hop in. <laughs> Prince Charming. Yes, Princess. How did you know I was waiting to be rescued? I'm psychic. <laughs> I'm glad you brought me here. I suppose you know I'm in love with you. 
Did you hear what I said? Mm-hmm. What did I say? You said you were in love with me. Well, at least you were listening. Mm. Well, what have you to say about it? Nothing except... Oh, Dan, are you sure? Well, love isn't like a problem in arithmetic, Miss Trinnell. <laughs> Darling. You can't prove it. You're never sure of any of the answers. Well, the lady at the hotel told me she'd like to see us married. Well, her husband wouldn't. Why not? He's a businessman. When we're married, we'll only rent one room instead of two. <laughs> oh. I think we'd better get back to the hotel. I, I want to send a postcard to Dewey Roberts. Well, that's an idea. I think I'll send him one, too, just to remind him that school begins again next week. Mr. Steele, did you enjoy your vacation? Yes, thank you. You wish to see me? Yes, Mr. Hopkins. Uh, certain matters come to my attention. Yes? A delicate matter. One of great concern to me as principal of Auburn School. Well, what is it, Mr. Steele? <clears throat> Have you uh, ever seen this postcard before? Why, yes, I sent that to Dewey Roberts. It's a picture of the Mabel. In my 23 years as principal of Auburn Grammar School, there has never been a tinge of scandal to smirch my record. I'm afraid I don't follow you, Mr. Steele. I'm asking you to resign today. What? Now. And if you refuse, I shall arrange for your immediate dismissal. We'll nip this thing in the bud before it gets beyond control. Before what gets beyond control? You admit you sent that card? Well, certainly. What of it? Here's a card sent by Miss Trinnell, sent from the same place at approximately the same time of the same day. Mr. Steele, where did you get these cards? Oh, they fell into my hands quite by accident. Fortunately, no one else has seen them. But believe me, Mr. Hopkins, if the parents of the children of this school learned that you and Miss Trinnell had spent the entire summer together, they'd tar and feather you and run you out of town. Just what are you insinuating when you say, spent the summer together? You're missing the point, Mr. Hopkins. I'm not attempting to judge your moral conduct. Like myself, you're a teacher. You're in public life and you must set an example. And I must make an example of you. I see. Look, Mr. Steele, there's no one to blame in this matter but myself. I deliberately went where Miss Trinnell was. Suppose I hand in my resignation. Wouldn't that be sufficient without causing her a lot of embarrassment? Why should she even have to know about it if, as you say, no one else knows but you? I think that could be arranged, Mr. Hopkins. Thank you, Mr. Steele. May I speak with you a moment, please, Miss Trinnell? Certainly. Class, read pages uh, 36 to 41, inclusive. What is it, dear? Well, you're beautiful, Nora. You never looked so beautiful. Oh, Dan, did you call me out of class just to tell no. me that... No. Stand there against the wall in case you faint. I've got something exciting to tell you. Are you insane? Only about you. Nora... Let's start conquering new worlds. Well, you're talking as if you're out of your head. Well, I'm happy, that's all. Come on, have you got the nerve? Got the nerve for what? To quit school and marry me right now, this minute. Oh, but, Dan, I'm teaching here. Well, resign. Oh, Dan, Dan, we're two responsible people. We, we can't just pass up duties and obligations because we want to. I have. Oh, no, Dan. Oh, yes, Nora. Oh, but, Dan, we should have talked it over first. What did Mr. Steele say? Oh, he fussed and blustered around, but he finally saw it my way. Dan, there's something wrong. No, Nora, it's right. Absolutely right, but you're right, too. It would be silly for both of us to pick up and leave at the same time. Oh, uh, when are you leaving? Now. now. 
you sure you're not keeping something from me? Now, what could I possibly want to keep from you? Well, I don't know. It's just that I've never seen you quite like this before. I've never seen me like this either. But I'll be back soon. I hope and I'll put rings on your fingers and bells on your toes. Oh, darling, I love you so. That's the way to talk. No, no, don't come down to the door with me. Just stand there on the landing. Let me fill my eyes with you, just as you are, Mr. O'Neill. Well, smile, just a little. I'll always remember you like that. Goodbye. 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 Dan. Dan! Oh, I knew there was something wrong. And so the curtain falls on the first act of Remember the Day, starring Francho Tone and Loretta Young. Before we hear Act Two, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther. One of the greatest dancers this world has ever seen was Anna Pavlova. But at one time, a tragic experience almost ruined her career. She was giving two concerts in a faraway city. The first night, she looked gloriously young and vibrant. But the next night, she seemed old and haggard. Here's what happened. By mistake, the wrong colored spotlight was thrown on her. Instantly, she looked 20 years older. The audience whispered, My, how old Pavlova looks. The right light was immediately switched on, but the damage was done. Everyone in that audience believed Pavlova had grown old. You know, certain shades of face powder, like certain colored spotlights, can make any woman look older. I just hope that you aren't the innocent victim of an unflattering shade of powder. Color specialists say that the wrong shade of powder can put years on your face, and the right shade can make you look years younger. Now, I'd like to tell you, if I could, which is the right shade for you, but I can't. Nobody can do that. There's only one way to find out. You must try the nine basic shades of face powder right on your own skin. You must look in your mirror and let your own eyes decide which shade is the most flattering to you. Of course, it would be very costly for you to buy nine different boxes of face powder, but you really don't have to. Just send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard, and by return mail, you will receive free nine different shades of my face powder. All the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. the curtain on Act Two of Remember the Day, starring Loretta Young as Nora Trinell and Francho Tone as Dan Hopkins. In the banquet room, the politicians are still waiting for Dewey Roberts, while Dewey continues reminiscing with Nora Trinell. Mr. Hopkins left town so unexpectedly, it certainly gave Auburn a scandal to talk about, Miss Trinnell. Oh, yes. Mr. Steele's secretary had overheard just enough of his conversation with Dan to start a torrent of malicious gossip. And the story of Dan's leaving town because of an affair he was having with a girl named Mabel, well, it had so many seemingly authentic points that even I almost believed it. Until you came to my schoolroom one afternoon. Come in. Uh, I, uh, 
I waited until after school to bring you this, Miss Trinnell. I think it's the best boat model I ever made. Well, thank you, Dewey. It's lovely. Uh, do you recognize the Mabel? Mabel? Yeah, I copied it from the picture postcards you sent me. Your card was perfect for the beam, and I got the side view for Mr. Hopkins' picture. Mr. Hopkins' picture? Yeah, he sent me a picture of the Mabel, too. The Mabel? The Mabel! Why, of course, Dewey, it was the Mabel, wasn't it? Huh? Oh, Dewey. Dewey, did you show these picture postcards to anyone? Only Mr. Steele. Only Mr. Steele? Oh, he has to bother. Oh, thank you, Dewey. You're a darling. I'll keep the Mabel always. Is this a night letter, Miss Trinnell? No, 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 no. Full rate telegram. You got more than ten words, you know. Night letter will get there first thing in the morning. Dan drives fast. Uh, Mr. Dan Hopkins, Engineers Club, Chicago, Illinois. Dan, my darling, you are such a dear, gallant fool. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, Nora. Uh, you could cut out this last love you. You've already said it three times, you know. Love Nora means the same thing as I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Uh, no, no, send it just as it is, please. You see, it's, uh, it's a secret code. Oh, say. Mr. Hopkins got some sort of an engineering job with a Chicago firm after he left Auburn, didn't he, Miss Trinnell? Yes, Dewey. We were going to be married the next June as soon as school was out. Dan's company was sending him to Honduras, and the trip was going to be our honeymoon. But on the day before Christmas, 1916, Dan returned to Auburn unexpectedly as Lieutenant Hopkins of the Royal Canadian Engineers. Nora. Darling! Oh, darling, what are you doing in that uniform? Well, I expect to do my bit. Oh, I knew something would happen. Everything was too perfect to last. Oh, darling, have a little confidence in me. Why, with me in this war, it'll be over in six months. It'll have to be. I have a very important date in June. Uh, now, don't cry, darling. No, I won't. Now, look, I have two whole weeks before I have to report. Two weeks? Two whole weeks. Dan, will you marry me right now? Why, Miss Trinnell, this is so sudden. Uh, and for our honeymoon, we'll go to the same resort where we spent our vacation. After ten hours, what's your opinion of marriage, Mrs. Hopkins? I think no family should be without one. Hmm, reactionary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've come to the conclusion that we're two of the nicest people I ever knew. Oh, you may be, but I'm not. Well, I won't argue mm. with you. Anyway, you're beautiful. No, no, definitely not. That's just your male ego. A woman thinks his wife has to be beautiful because he picked her. I still say you're beautiful. <laughs> now, if anybody in our family is beautiful, darling, it's you. You think so? Yes. Well, if you insist. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Oh, darling, I love you so. I'm going to be so terribly, terribly lonesome. Stop the world, Dan. Please, stop the world. It stopped. Thank you, dear. 
It can't stand still indefinitely, Nora. No, I know, I know I can't, but let's try to forget it. There's so much I still have to know about you. Oh, all the things that happened to you when you were a child. Oh, there was nothing unusual. Mumps, measles. <laughs> Say, I thought I told you you weren't to cry. I'm not crying, darling. I... Oh, I'm so sorry, darling. I, I wanted to be brave and gay and amusing to make it easy for you to leave when our time was up, but I can't. I'm selfish. You've given me the world, Dan, and I want to keep it. Keep it for me, too, dear. Dan, I don't want you to go away. You wouldn't want me not to go. No. No, of course I wouldn't, but... Am I enjoying my misery, darling? You're braver than I am. No, I'm not. I'm frightened. I'm frightened at the thought of being alone. Well, I suppose in the end we... We all have to stand alone. You won't be alone. I'll be back. You can bank on that. I'll always be with you. Of course you will. Say, why should we waste our honeymoon worrying about my going to France? <laughs> yes, it does seem silly, doesn't it? After all, it's the only honeymoon we'll ever have. Well, you're wrong there, Mrs. Hopkins. <laughs> as soon as this war's over, we're going to start on a honeymoon that'll last us the rest of our lives. Oh, I'm sure of that, Dan. Those two weeks that Dan and I had together were glorious, Dewey. But they ended too soon. We went back to Auburn, but almost before we knew it, the day for Dan's departure arrived. He didn't want me to go to the station with him for fear... Well, for fear we'd cry. So I kissed him goodbye and walked over to your house. You'd been acting strangely from the time Dan returned to Auburn, and, and though I didn't connect the two, I was anxious to learn what was wrong with my favorite pupil. <laughs> I was just lovesick. I remember Steve Hill and I had quite a battle when Steve said Mr. Hopkins had been forced to resign from school and leave town because he'd gotten into some sort of a mix-up with you. Then when I walked into your classroom one afternoon and saw you kissing Mr. Hopkins, the only thing I could think of was to leave town and go to another school. Yes, I remember. You were packing when I reached your house and your mother directed me to your room. May I come in, Dewey? Can if you want to. Oh, how wonderful, Dewey. You're first, aren't they? They're just long pants, that's all. <laughs> I wouldn't let you go away without saying goodbye. Weren't you coming to say goodbye to me? Nope. Dewey, what's happened? It's happened to what? To our old friendship. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if you don't want to tell me, it's quite all right. Goodbye, Dewey. I uh, wanted to wish you luck. So much luck. Great guns, you don't have to be nice to me. Go ahead and laugh at me. I'm not laughing, Dewey. Anyway, you can tell him and have a lot of fun. Dewey. Dewey, my grandfather, the ship's captain that I've told you so much about, he used to say that when you run afoul dirty weather and there's a chance that you may founder, spill your cargo. It's the ship that counts. Well, I couldn't help it. The fellas were talking about you and Mr. Hopkins. That's what I fought Steve Hill about. Oh. Then I went up to your classroom to tell you I was sorry. And I saw him kissing you. Oh, Dewey, so that's it. I, I wonder what I should tell you. I I'd like you to understand. You don't have to tell me anything. 
The way you're feeling now will pass, Dewey, believe me. I know how awful it is when people and things disappoint you. It hurts. It hurts to find out the people you love are not stars, but just human beings made of flesh and blood. And that's the way people are, and those are the things that we learn as we grow up. I love Mr. Hopkins, and he loves me. But, Dewey, my love for him hasn't changed my affection for you. Oh, it's hard to grow up, but you mustn't let anything or anyone, anyone throw you off your course, because, you see, in the end, Dewey, you'll have to stand by yourself anyway. And... Well, gee, Miss Trammell, don't cry, because if you cry, I'll cry. I'm trying awfully hard not to, Dewey. You know something? I'll tell you a secret. Each year, there's someone in the class who stands out. Someone whom the teacher counts on and loves as though that child were her own. You're one of those few, Dewey. So you mustn't let me down. Will you remember that? Yes, sir. And you'll remember me, too, a little? <laughs> of course, Mr. Trinnell. Mr. <laughs> uh, uh, Trinnell, would you come to the station with me? Oh, no, no, I couldn't do that. Mr. Hopkins is leaving on that train. Oh, please, just sort of be there to wave. That way I could never forget. Well, all right, Dewey, I'll be there. Nora! What are you doing here? Oh, uh, I couldn't help it, Dan. Dewey Roberts wanted me to come down and wave goodbye to him. He's going away, too. Well, we'll both be back. Of course you will, darling. In a way, of course, I... I won't even be leaving. I'll be with you every minute. Oh, wherever I go, whatever I do, you'll be with me always. Oh, boss! Well, I... Au revoir, darling. Au revoir. Au revoir, darling. Smile. Smile. Yeah. That's better. Much better. All aboard! Well, I guess he really means it this time. I'd better get aboard. So long, Nora. So long. I'll never forget that, Mr. Nell. Boy, was I proud to be riding with Mr. Hopkins because he was in uniform. By the way, what's happened... Uh, what's Mr. Hopkins doing now? He didn't come back from France. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Does that mean you're alone now? Alone? Why, I'm never alone, Dewey. Wherever I go or whatever I do, I... I have a crowd of memories to keep me company. Why, I remember the day. Thank you, Loretta Young and Francho Tone, for appearing with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players tonight. Well, that was our pleasure, Truman. You see, the Motion Picture Relief Fund, which benefits from these programs, is very important to all of us in the industry. Indeed it is, Francho. We're all vitally interested in the Motion Picture Relief Fund and the country house which it supports. And now, here's a word from one of our best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Young. 
In the early part of this program, I offered to send free to every woman who is listening nine different shades of Lady Esther face powder. Did you ever stop to think that maybe the shade you're now using is not exactly the right shade for you? Well, here's your chance to find, once and for all, the shade of powder that is most flattering to your skin. The shade that makes you look your youngest and loveliest. When you receive your gift, try on one of the shades, for example, Rochelle. Look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, Is this the shade for me? Is this my lucky shade? Then remove the Rochelle and try on another shade. Try them all, one after another. When you come to the shade that's right for you, you'll know it the instant you put it on your skin. Your own eyes will tell you that at last you've found the shade that makes your skin look fresher and smoother, that makes you look younger. So just send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard, and you will receive all nine shades of Lady Esther face powder. My address is Lady Esther, Chicago. I'm sorry, but government restrictions will not permit me to make this offer in Canada. Before we hear about next week's show, Loretta Young has a special word from our government. Miss Young. Our government has made it easy for you to see that your family gets the right variety of foods. In your grocery or market, there's a chart showing the basic seven. The seven types of food we need for proper diet. For example, there's one group, including oranges, tomatoes, grapefruit, raw cabbage, and salad greens. You need at least one of these foods for, for, for your food every day. So ladies, consult the basic seven chart in the store, and for the good health of your family, as one more contribution toward winning the war, plan your meal to include every type of food you should have every day. Thank you. Next week, the Lady Astor Screen Guild players will present Tennessee Johnson, starring Ruth Hussey, Lionel Barrymore, and Gary Cooper. Be sure to listen. Loretta Young is currently being seen in China. Franco Tone's latest picture release is Five Graves to Cairo, both Paramount Productions. Music on tonight's program was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch to save materials by the larger size of Lady Esther face cream. Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.